appreciate the fact that each and every one of us have a vocation in which to follow uh, and to celebrate and to shine your light wherever we are. And Lord, we, we just pray that as we reflect upon this doctrine of work today, that you would speak new truths into our hearts, that you would think our thoughts, that my words would be your words, that you would bend our wills to your will, and you would take each and every one of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, Lord Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray, amen. amen. Well, this is a, an idea I got from my friends in Virginia who take Labor Day weekend and, and talk about work. Why? And this was a passion of mine when I was a young believer. I mean, after all, we spend three hours max in the assembly on Sunday. Max. Some of us an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is. And the rest of the week, I'm at work, Right? I mean, what good is this faith if I can't live it out right where I am? And for, from where I was standing at the time, being a strength coach, in the same weight room, I had a kid who became a Heisman Trophy candidate with an attitude and a chip on his shoulder, but a great kid. And this kid who's didn't have, whose parents, wolves were better parents than this kid had, and he was stoned, and he was into drugs, and he wouldn't get dressed for class. How can I be salt and light to those two, is what was going through my mind. So I quickly learned 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for God, God making his appeal through us. That it's God making his appeal in the way I do my work. Because I'm the only Bible either of these kids are ever going to read throughout this day, more than likely. So with that said, I thought that we would take some time today and look at the original call to work this year as we go into Labor Day celebrations. And this is going to have implications for all of us, our young people and students, our adults, as well as our retirees. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, because the idea of work began on page 1 of your Bible. At least it's my Bible is page 1. You people with fancy study Bibles, it's probably page 37, but my Bible is page 1, all right? Yeah, they're putting me out of business. All right. So what we're going to see in this passage today is the context of the call to work, our call to work, and why this matters for each and every one of us. First of all, the original context of the call to work. If you look in your Bibles at the very beginning of chapter 1, which we didn't have read today, we're going to read it, and I want us to first approach Genesis 1 through 3 as we should approach it, not like most Americans go to France. You guys know our reputation in France, right? And if you've been to France, you know that reputation, all right? We're considered arrogant. Why? We don't learn their language. We don't, we don't consider dress at all. And in their culture, attire matters, all right? And cuisine matters, and we ask for McDonald's, you know? 
And so we go up to the person on the street with short shorts and tube socks, and we ask them in English where the next McDonald's is. All right? And I would propose to you most Westerners, including Americans in the 21st century, approach Genesis 1 through 3 just like that. We take our 21st century questions and impart them to the text, which the text has no desire to answer because this is written 3,600 years ago-ish. All right? And it starts off with, as you well know, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. It starts off with, in the beginning. Do you hear that? Once upon a time. Once upon a time in a far, far away. Right? All great stories, narratives, start like this. It doesn't talk about, well, how did that happen? When did that happen? The author would say, in the beginning. You know, don't, don't bring your tube socks here. All right? This is a story. And if we'll pay attention to it, you'll see the grand story about work and the meaning of work and about vocation for humanity. But much, much more larger is the first worker, God. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew words for form and void are rhyming words. The Jews were rapping long before the rappers came along. The Hebrew word is tovu vavohu, without form and void. One Hebrew scholar says it was wild and waste. That's pretty good. It doesn't mean it was a waste of time. It means that it had total untapped potential. And God created it. And notice in verse 4, God saw that it was good. All right. See, this story, the context of Genesis 1 through 3, is the story of God, the first worker, taking something good and making it better. For who? For us. And so you get down to verse 28, which is what Iris read for us. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all living earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God finished his work and every phase of his work was good. You look at chapter 1. He saw that it was good. It was good. That word is the, the Hebrew word tov. So you drop the U off it. It's a word play. Tovu, vavohu, form and void, becomes good. Why? Because God's working. And then he made us in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so he created us in his image. Male and female, both genders reflect the image of the one God. 
God is neither wholly reflected in one or the other. It's the oneness and difference that reflects the image of God. That's the context of the call to work. And God's the originator of it. So next we see our call to work in verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You notice if you read through Genesis 1 that human beings are the only ones that are called or told to reproduce. See, you don't have to tell rabbits to reproduce. They just do it. Right? Right? Humans are called to do this because when rabbits multiply, they just multiply. But when humans multiply, we make families. We make neighborhoods. We make cities. We make art. We make culture. We make football. We don't just make more of ourselves. We make societies. We take flowers and we cut them and we sell them at the market because they're beautiful. And then we grow more. It's important that we understand this. When humans multiply, they remake the earth following God's pattern because that's what we're called to do. God brings order and beauty for the benefit of us and we make order and beauty for the benefit of others. When you take an, an apple tree and you just let it grow wild, it'll produce some apples, right? But when you subdue it and take authority over it, not in a negative sense, because that's kind of negative, right? It sounds subdue, take dominion. No, it's asserting my will over something so that it yields its potential. So our apple trees become all kinds of different varieties of apples. Honeycrisp, right? Perfect. Grapevines, if you let them grow, they'll produce some grapes. But if you tend to them, they'll make Cabernet Sauvignon, especially if you're in Napa Valley, California, right? We have to assert our will over it, taking the tovu vavohu, the wild and waste of our sphere of influencing it, and making it tov, making it good, all right? And so the whole point is that we are called to imitate the loving Heavenly Father, who in Genesis dignified work himself by making it better and making us, and we're the only part of his creation, he said, was very good. And all human vocations and all human jobs are given this great status of God-like dignity. Now, I know on tomorrow night when you're getting ready to go back to work, some of you, your stomach starts turning because you don't feel like going back to work. Can I make a confession? Some Sundays, I don't feel like coming to work. I'd rather stay at home, drink my cup of coffee, have my own quiet time. Yeah, I'm human. I, let's, let's just let's own this, all right? This is my work. I love what I do. 
But I, get, I tell you right now, every, every Sunday at 1 o'clock, I walk out of here sky high. It's just, you, you guys think I'm excited now, give me a couple hours. Why? Because I see God working in me, in you. It's encouraging. And then I crash. Just like some of you guys are going to crash. But on tomorrow night, your stomach starts to churn a little bit. Because you got to remember, all of this is before Genesis 3. That's why I entitled this the original call. Because the first humans, human, Adam, human, and Zoe, life, came together and decided they were going to do it their way. And evil has come into the world. Even with God being that first worker, we live in a world that Genesis 3.18 calls is filled with thorns and thistles. So every time your computer doesn't boot up the way it's supposed to, that's thorns and thistles. If you're a teacher and that kid won't do what you ask them to do, that's thorns and thistles. If you're a manual laborer worker and that, that pipe just won't fit right, that's thorns and thistles. Whatever occupation, you know what the thorns and thistles are. We're all called to live. It doesn't go as smooth as we would like. But even in the midst of this, because we're in Christ Jesus... And we are clothed in his righteousness. You know, that's verse 21 of 2 Corinthians. That in him we might become the righteousness of God after we're ambassadors. Therefore, even in this thorny and thistly world, we can make it better. How can we do that? I think Paul gets it right in Colossians 3. If those of you who have your Bibles, I would ask you to turn to that passage. Verse 28. And I want to address every single group here. First, I want to address our students. I want to address our adults. And I want to address our older, older adults. Because we are all called to bring order and beauty and make it better. Because when you see a human at work, you're seeing the image of God. And so, with that, you look at verse 28. Paul says, whatever you do. He's talking about human relationships in this passage. You heard it. You had husbands and wives, and now you get to bond servants or slaves. These are indentured servants in the ancient world. And like every indentured, sometimes those of us who are in work feel like we're indentured servants, right? Um, you can't go anywhere, so i got to work this out. And so indentured servants, we're called, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So students, if you're, if you're a child or you're a teenager, do everything unto the Lord. It's not just your teacher who's asking you to do that math, that English, that history. It's Jesus Christ. You're doing it ultimately for him. When you're in athletics and you're getting tired, you don't focus on, oh, how tired I am. You focus on how tired Jesus was on the cross. And you push. You make yourself go. Because he did this for you. Because that's how much he loves you. Everything we do, we work under the Lord. Adults, let's show up and work on time. Let's do excellent work. To the point 
where our bosses would say, what would I do without them? Retirees. Most of my retirees, I know you guys are very busy. You're not working in the same way, but you're very busy about things. Working around the house, working at the apartment, helping out around the neighborhood. You're doing it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And there comes a time, perhaps, where we get so frail that it becomes our call to model for all my friends and my family what it means to go into the Lord's presence well. And you're part of my prayer team because the most powerful prayer warriors have gray hair or no hair at all. It's a fact. When they pray, God listens more than any of us. So I want to encourage you. This is, it doesn't end here. Because if you go to Revelation 20 and 21, there's a depiction of not everybody floating away somewhere in some non-physical space on a cloud with a harp. It's about God's space heaven coming down to earth. Of the garden where there's order and beauty and everybody's working in it for the benefit of one another. But it's also a city where people are working in tandem, all in interdependence with each other. And you have a city garden without any sin or rebellion because there's lots of good being produced within this city. That's what we have to look forward to. Lots of shared goodness. We're in the thorny and thistly kingdom now. It's not yet fully realized. But because we're in the kingdom of God, we can lessen the thorns. We can lessen the thistles by loving people. Keep this in mind tomorrow as we celebrate Labor Day and you have your brat or whatever you eat on Labor Day. Or when you go to school or work on Tuesday, the whole point is that Jesus Christ went to the cross on our behalf with the great work of the atonement for each and every one of us and secured a place for us today, all right? It's not like, all right, great, now I get to go to heaven. It's that I can do good work today by the power of the Holy Spirit and usher in God's kingdom even fully, more fully realized than before. I can take the tohu vavohu and make it tov. We've all been called to it. So that's why we gather on the Lord's day, to encourage one another with this reality, that Jesus has come. Jesus has secured an everlasting life and an abundant life today in his kingdom, not in the kingdom of this world. Yeah, I live here, but I'm also in the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And we gather to remind ourselves of that through our songs, through the word read and preached, as we gather at the Lord's table to remind ourselves that we meet him in the bread and the wine so that we might go forth from this place sky high, ready to meet the challenges of the day ahead of us because there's thorny and thistly out there, folks. But we can bring order and beauty for the benefit of others. So my prayer is that he would give us a fresh kind of inspiration of what we could be and what we can do this week.
and his kingdom for the blessing of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day and grateful that you, you originated this call long before the world was evil. And we pray that we would remind ourselves that work is good. Even though it's thorny and thistly at times, we can live the abundant life right where we are. And as we do so, Lord, we would recognize the call that you've placed on each and every one of us. And that, Lord, this Faith and Work Sunday would be one that would carry us through not only this week, but all 52 weeks of the year. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.